Good morning, Governor Carter Church, and thank you for gathering with me for worship today. I, I know this is different. I showed up to preach, and there's nobody here but Trey Yoder, and he is dead asleep. Some of you are asking, and what's so different about that? I, I'm trusting that you're out there and you are going to worship together with me today. I think I've got a word from the Lord for you. From its very origin, the church has always gathered together physically for worship. But for a while, it appears that we're going to be gathering together virtually. We already know we're not having church next week. And I'm sure that you've been staying abreast of the news. You know that gatherings of more than 50 people have been banned in the state of South Carolina. Uh, according to the Center for Disease Control's latest recommendations, they don't want any gatherings of 50 or more until May the 10th at the earliest. So I know what some of you are asking. Ronnie, are you saying we're not going to have public church services again until Mother's Day? Not what I'm saying. I want you to know that your leadership is watching the events that unfold in our county and our country very carefully. If we need to suspend our Sunday morning services until Mother's Day, we're willing to do that if it's best for you and best for our community. However, I'm hoping and praying that it doesn't come to that. But what if it does? What if we can't assemble together again until May the 10th or even later? What's our game plan? That's a good question. So why don't we take the time that we have together this morning to answer that question? What is our plan of action? To formulate an effective game plan, I think we've got to answer two questions. And they're kind of weird I'm going to confess that right up front. These questions are kind of weird, but they're questions that have been floating around in my head. Question one is this. What do you suppose the devil is hoping to accomplish through the coronavirus crisis? That's weird. Question number two, what do you suppose God is wanting or hoping to accomplish through the coronavirus crisis? So let's take that first question. Think about this for just a moment. What do you think the devil is hoping to accomplish through the situation we're in? I want you to understand what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the devil created the coronavirus. That's not what I'm saying at all. Nor am I insinuating that he's going to use this virus as a demonic weapon of mass destruction. I just know enough about the devil to understand that he loves to take situations just like the one we find ourselves in and use them to his advantage. So what do you suppose he's going to try to do? I, to answer that question, I got to remind you of something. The Bible says that the devil is both a thief and a liar. So I think that during these next few weeks and months, the devil is going to try to rob us of something. You ask, what, Ronnie? 
I think he's going to try to steal our faith. I think he's going to try to take our faith and replace it with fear. And how do I think he's going to do this? I think he's going to lie to us. I think he's going to fill our minds with a lot of lies in the hopes that he can take our faith and replace it with fear because once fear has taken hold, his job is done because he knows that fear will do the rest. Fear will rob us of peace, uh, getting us to always assume the worst. Fear will rob us of the moment by getting us preoccupied with the what-ifs. Fear will rob us of opportunities by convincing us that the risk of getting involved are just far too great. Fear is the devil's accomplice. And how does he go about engaging his accomplice? He lies. So I think this, I think he's going to be lying to us and telling us that we're helpless and that our situation is hopeless. And if he can get us to believe that, he takes faith, he replaces it with fear, and fear does the rest. But I think there's a second thing he's hoping to accomplish. I think he would love to weaken the church. I think he'd love to weaken you and me. We Christians were not designed for social distancing. We were designed to live in community. We thrive in the context of meaningful relationships with other believers. We need each other. Now, the devil has always, he knows that, but he's always known that. So his strategy against believers has always included divide and conquer. Before he attacks, he loves to distance Christians from a fellowship of believers so that he can weaken them before he attacks them. And I got a feeling that some type of spiritual attack might lay in waiting for us somewhere down the road. And I know that sounds like I'm heaping more bad news on top of bad news. However, I want to say something pretty controversial. And you may disagree with me, that's okay. I believe it. I believe there's something lurking in the darkness that is a lot more dangerous than the coronavirus. And maybe I should have said it like this. There's someone lurking in the darkness who is a lot more dangerous than the coronavirus, and that is our enemy, the devil. For some of you, your only source of spiritual strength through the course of a month, the only real source of strength for your family are the ministries that Golden Corner Church provides. And all those ministries are going to essentially be suspended for a while. So here's what the enemy is hoping. He's hoping that week by week by week that you grow weaker and weaker in your faith. And here's what I fear is that somewhere on the backside of this, he attacks I know what you're thinking. Well, maybe he'll show mercy because we're in a global pandemic. Uh, no, he is ruthless. So that's weird question number one. Let's think about weird question number two. What do you suppose God is hoping to accomplish through this 
crisis. Again, make sure that you didn't hear me say something I didn't. I'm not saying that God created this virus. I'm not insinuating that he's using it as as a means of punishing the world for its sins. I do know that he knew this was coming and didn't prevent it. I do know that he already knows the solution, and yet he hasn't yet shared it. So I'm going to assume that he's hoping to accomplish something through this. Like what? Maybe, maybe two things. One, maybe he's hoping to use this coronavirus crisis that we're in to spark some type of spiritual awakening. Maybe he's wanting to use it to awaken the unbelieving population of this world to the reality that they do indeed need him. You ask, where are you getting that at, Ronnie? The Bible. In the Bible, I find multiple instances where God used a crisis to awaken people to the reality that they needed him, and in time, he turned their hearts back to him. Maybe that's what he's doing. Or there's a second thing. Could it be that he's trying to say something to the church? Could it be that God is allowing this to happen to point out to us that there is a big difference in having church and being the church? Because sometimes I think we get the two confused. Now, we've got a lot of reasons not to have church for a while, but we have no reason at all not to continue being the church. The church isn't a meeting. The church is a movement. We're supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God and moving the cause of Christ forward. So maybe God has allowed this to come so that we can put all of our focus and all of our emphasis for a short period of time on being the church. Now that we've answered our questions, I think we're ready to put together our game plan. So what's our game plan? I'm going to make five suggestions. I think, first of all, we need to get in the Bible. My hope, my prayer, my goal is that when we resume normal church, that your faith is stronger than it's ever been. Over the next several weeks, I want you to grow more than you've ever grown. Now, to help you, I assure you, I'm praying my heart out for you. And every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, online, I'm going to bring you a fresh word from God. I want you to know that this is probably the last time I'm going to talk about the coronavirus. We talked about it last week. We're talking about it again this week. I think it's got center, it's been center stage long enough. So kind of anticipate this. From this point forward, we're going to talk a lot about Jesus because I think he deserves to be center stage from this point on. But if you're going to grow more than you've ever grown, you're going to have to supplement this weekly sermon with some time in the Bible on your own. The devil's going to be actively lying, so how are you going to know the truth? Read the Bible, because it is the truth. 
The devil's going to be aggressively trying to steal your faith. So how are you going to strengthen your faith? Read the Bible. The Apostle Paul said that faith comes from the Word of God. Can I make a suggestion? Uh, I'm really finding a lot of comfort and a lot of help in navigating through these days in Psalm 91. I'm not alone. I've had a couple other people volunteer to me and said, Ronnie, I'll tell you where I'm finding some real encouragement, Psalm 91. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Just start reading there. Take your time with it. It's only 16 verses. Read it slowly, carefully. See what God says to you. I bet he'll encourage you. Step number two, let's get on our knees. Let's pray. In, in, a, in a time when we're all practicing social distancing, how can we continue to be the church? We can pray. Prayer is a way of making a difference in somebody else's life, a very positive difference, no matter what the distance may be. It doesn't matter. So I want to encourage you to do something. Pray for people. Uh, pray for specific people. Pray for elderly people you know. Pray for them by name. Pray for healthcare workers that you know by name. Pray for our law enforcement officers that you know by name. Pray for our small businessmen and women by name. And when you pray for them, make specific requests of God. Tell God exactly what you'd like to see him do for them. I, I want to challenge you to, to pray big. Pray for the world. Pray for your country. I, I know what some of you are thinking, and that is, Ronnie, but I feel so small. Well, that's because you are small. But when you and I are talking to God, we're talking to a big God. The World Health Organization, the CDC, the entire medical community, they're looking for something that works. Well, you and I know something that works. According to James in, in, in the New Testament, prayer works. So let's pray. I don't want you just to focus in on praying for people's physical well-being. I want to encourage you to pray for their spiritual and emotional well-being. We got people in Golden Corner Church who are going through some things that make the coronavirus look tame. They're already hurting. They're already confused. They're already struggling. They're already afraid. Don't forget to pray for them. Pray that the devil's plans fail. Pray that God's will be done. Step three, stay connected. There again, you're, you're thinking, Ronnie, now, we're being encouraged to practice social distancing. At the same time, you're encouraging us to stay connected. How do we do that? Get creative. The Apostle Paul was often imprisoned for trying to spread Christianity. And during those imprisonments, he was isolated. He was cut off. But yet, he never stopped ministering to people. How was he able to do that? He got creative. He began to write letters. Life-changing powerful letters. So here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Get creative. We've got ways of staying connected with people. Phone calls, text, emails, FaceTime them. Come up with something. During the next few weeks, you and I cannot afford to become disconnected from the people who invest in our lives. We're going to need their encouragement. We're going to need their support, and they're going to need our encouragement 
and support. Check on each other. Encourage one another. Send each other scriptures. When you pray for them, let them know that you prayed for them. I think it would be encouraging them if you told them exactly how you prayed for them. Stay connected. Number four, stand out. There's a darkness creeping over our country. A a darkness of uncertainty and fear. Our way of life's been taken from us. No church services. No socializing. Don't go out and eat. Economy's crumbling. Our country... They need an infusion of hope. Where are they going to get that? By tuning in to the nightly news broadcast? I don't think so. Our country needs something positive. And maybe I should say this. They need someone positive. But whom, you ask? Why not you? Why not us? Rather than hoarding, let's give generously. Rather than panicking, Let's remain calm. Rather than expecting the worst, why don't we expect a miracle? Church, this is our time. This is our time to shine. This is our time to stand out. But there's a fifth step. I want to encourage you to keep Sunday mornings sacred. Uh, you're, You're realizing that for the next, I don't know, few weekends we're not having church on Sunday morning what are you going to do with that time play golf go fishing sleep late stay in your jammies all day binge watching your favorite television show let me make a suggestion why not keep Sunday mornings sacred Why not make Sunday mornings all about family and God? Go ahead, sleep a little later. Start a little slower. Why don't you make Sunday morning breakfast the biggest, most exciting meal of the week? Make some pancakes with syrup melted butter. Uh, Fry up some bacon and some sausage. Fry some eggs, make a big, make a big pot of butter-soaked grits and some homemade biscuits and throw in some sawmill gravy, gather around the table, tell big tales, act silly, laugh out loud. Then gather around the computer screen or your selected device, your device of choice. Let's worship together. Maybe have a little Sunday school class beforehand with the materials that, that Michelle is providing for you. When the sermon's over, talk about it a little bit with your family. Pray together. I think it would do your family good to hear you pray. And after, the, after, after your family church, go for a walk. Go for a hike. Play around a golf. Go fishing. Take a drive. After that big breakfast I described, you might just want to take a nap. That'll be fine. I'm asking you to do this. Make Sundays special. Keep them sacred. Who knows, guys?
Maybe all of this is an opportunity in disguise. So there you have it. We have put together our game plan. We're going to get in the Bible, get on our knees, stay connected, stand out, and keep Sunday mornings sacred. You ready? Let's go. Game on. Father in heaven, you see the situation we're in. You see what an incredible opportunity has been presented to your church. You see the challenges we face, but you see the opportunities we've been given. You understand the mind of our adversary and what he hopes to accomplish. Well, I pray that anything he would hope to accomplish, that just the opposite would take place. I pray that when this story is told, you're the hero. That the people are awakened to the reality that they need you. And I pray that by the scores, they'll turn to you. I pray that churches will rally that you'll help us on the backside of this to be stronger than we were at the beginning. Lord, we've got a plan of action. It's a great one. It's going to produce incredible results if we follow it. So I'm just praying right now that all of us sitting in our homes right now will make a commitment to this. This is is worth doing, God. And this is, this is worth doing not just for the next few weeks or several weeks. And this is worth doing for the rest of our lives. And if this has come upon us to help us do so, so be it, God. Uh, I couldn't end this prayer, Lord, without asking you to protect people. Protect, I mentioned people. Will you protect them? Will you protect our country? you protect our county I'm asking that you do this in an incredible way a miraculous way in Jesus name Amen